either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, it is definitely spooky season in the screening room. Got a big one to talk about this week and some smaller ones, too. Definitely some good stuff. Welcome in. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. Where else are we going to start but the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode coming to a spine-chilling climax in this final installment of the trilogy, Halloween Ends. I was certain that I saw him watching me. You pretend like you moved on, but you're actually just obsessed with death. What are you going to do when Michael comes back for you? Because he is coming. But this time, something feels different. He's more dangerous. He killed my daughter. But tonight, I will kill him. Come and get me. It all ends now. Was your spine chilled? My spine was not really chilled. Uh, this was, well, let's, let's first say that we did have high hopes for this. We did. Uh, this is David Gordon Green, director David Gordon Green's trilogy. A lot of help from Danny McBride. I remember back when that was announced, that raised some eyebrows. It did, Danny of McBride. course, because he's he's a comedic right. uh, writer and actor. And uh, not, not, a lot, not a lot of people knew who David Gordon Green was. And if they did know him, they knew him from the comedy Pineapple, Pineapple Express. Express. But he made, he's definitely made some good films. And I think one of those, we both enjoyed the first installment of this trilogy, the first Halloween from 2018. Thought it got it off to a great start. Yes. And really got our hopes up for the rest. Now, we were really let down by Halloween Kills. Didn't like that at all. But both of us were really looking forward to this one. Thought it would, it would hopefully bring it together. Uh, and end on a good note. Sad to say, we were really disappointed with this for a lot of reasons. And we know it just came out. It's not only in theaters, but it's on streaming. It's on Peacock. So we'll obviously try not to spoil anything here. But it suffered in a lot of areas. Although the the beginning, there's a setup in the beginning with a new babysitter and a, a younger child that I thought was pretty effective. Mm-hmm. And then the final battle, because obviously with this title, Halloween Ends, what we're, what we're kind of promised inherently there is a final battle between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. We do get that. I thought that was somewhat satisfying, maybe not completely, but somewhat. My biggest problem was everything in between. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, well, you mentioned there are some really big, like, gaps in the logic and the internal logic of this film, which was too, which was too bad. Um, and too much of the film, for for our taste, was focused on this budding romance between other characters, and there was not enough Laurie Strode. And now, I although think, there's more than the last one, right, which is that good. was one of the biggest problems of Halloween Kills is mm-hmm. how little time we got to spend with Laurie Strode, and she's still kind of a side character in this one, not to the degree that she was. I mean, she right. was barely a cameo in the second yeah, one, but. She's not the main character, which I find unfortunate because she's the reason that we've stuck it out all this time. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I feel like maybe, you know, the the film is worried that people aren't going to be interested in a 64-year-old woman as your hero. But I am. That's the person I wanted to see. And she's right. also clearly the best actor in the entire group. And yes. so it's unfortunate. Although she's interesting in this movie. She's fun when she's on screen, and I, and I enjoy all of those bits. And in this one, her character is putting together a memoir. So 
really, if you're not, if you haven't seen every one, she kind of catches you up through through that little voiceover talking about the things that she's writing. Uh, so if you haven't watched every one, you know, very very closely, you'll you'll get caught up. But uh, as you mentioned, one of the biggest things is, you know, the first one in 2018, it let us know that for 40 years she hadn't let this go. Now this one picks up four years later. After, after the last one, and she has let it go. Yeah, it's a, it's Just a funny... Just like that. So right away you're going, what? Yeah, it's a funny notion that for 40 years, while he was locked up, she was obsessed about him, right? Four years ago, he killed her daughter, he disappeared, uh, she can let go now. What? That's, that's one of the things. We're not going to sit here and, no. and nitpick, but there... It, for us, it was just a succession of things like that going, what? Yeah. Uh, was was a problem. Also, you mentioned it centers so much of this around a side plot between this relationship. Unfortunately, it's the core plot. It really is. That's right. It's not really the side plot. It's the core plot. And it's it's so rushed and so forced. I thought that once the movie was over, I thought, okay, if you're going to base the entire movie around this, you should have introduced this relationship the, the la- in the last movie and at least try to get us comfortable with it and have some sort of character development. There was none. They rushed these two people together. I didn't believe a minute of it, and I didn't believe then any of the choices they made, and this movie is built around that. That's why, yeah. for me, it all, nothing was well-earned at all. No. And it was just a, a succession of nonsensical moves like that, some, some, some a bit of contrivance, and and also, it, it's got to be said, this is a horror movie. And yes, there's kills, but they're pretty dull. Yeah, they really are. I mean, I really, the first film I thought had, the first film in this trilogy, some really exceptional kills in it. The second one didn't have a lot of great kills. They were decent, and there were a lot of them. A lot mm-hmm. of people die in the second one, so that helps to make up for it. This one, to me, yeah, I mean, there's there's one in the trailer, which is pretty reminiscent of a lot of his earlier work. <laughs> We have a lot of Michael Myers' early work. <laughs> really so loved your early right. stuff. So it wasn't interesting or new. It was more like a throwback, sort of an homage, and, and nothing else was very interesting at all, which is a weird thing to say, right? But yes, I mean, if you're watching a slasher, you're thinking to yourself, how inventive are these kills? Not. Well, They're not. And also, well, you mentioned, because you're a lot more familiar with this entire franchise than, than I, I ought am. to be, yes. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, I really sort of checked out after the first one in 78, which I must say, I saw in the theater. Wow. And and it I, is my ringtone. And I will also <laughs> say that I remember as a teenager not having seen a, a bunch of horror movies in the theater uh, up to that point, but in the moment in that original when you come back and he's gone, that really was I remember feeling an incredible feeling yeah. at that time. That was so so effective. Yeah. Um so I I do have a lot of love for that first one. After that they kind of lost me. So my point is, you mentioned that this film ends up going back and digging at ideas that some of those other bad sequels have already visited. But didn't explore. There has been, and, and I, I really worry about giving anything away, so I'm not going to do it. But right. there, are, there are two, at least two, of the, of the previous, if you look at the whole entire canon, right, um, that, that hint at, three really, that hint at um, what this movie really uh, explores in depth. Mm-hmm. And... It just doesn't work. Yeah, and, and I agree. Um, it was there's not much tension, as we said. The kills aren't that great. That's why it, it's not scary really at all. No. Which, but but truth be told, I never really find any of these beyond that first one where I saw Halloween in the theater. Any of these slashers very scary. I know for a lot of people they love them, and that's great. And but I, there and, was a lot of good tension in that first one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
I agree. And it's just not here. But I will say already, because a lot of people have seen it already as we tape this on Friday, because it's not only came out in theaters where you could go, you know, the first first showing. A lot of them um, opened on Wednesday, um, but you could also see it on Peacock. So I'm already seeing a lot of social media reaction and it's very polarizing. I'm seeing some people that love it. Yep. And you know what? That's great. It is. Just because we didn't. If you go and you love it, have fun with it. That's fantastic. Yes, they, it really is. But uh, just from our perspective, it was a big disappointment because Mm -hmm. and and consequently, also, I'm seeing a lot of people that really like this one so much don't like the first one in this trilogy, which for us is the best. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Actually, I think that I have seen that as well. And and, and I think that that's fine. Like like you were saying, if you like a movie, that's awesome. It's great. That is great news. So this one didn't work for us. I do want to say I got a chance. I've interviewed, actually, David Gordon Green Mm -hmm. two different times, once in person, once on the phone. So that makes him my best friend. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of his work. Yeah. Um, and to move um, the move to like a big budget horror franchise, it was strange because most of his films, not all of them, are are very. He's just like an indie master, mm-hmm. like really small independent films that are incredibly well made. So seek them out. But it was it, I was so happy when he made the first one that it was so well made. I yes. thought, good for you. That's awesome. Right. And, I and I'm thinking, this is what you know. This is a, this is only great news for horror if really really. Solid directors think, no, this is where I want to go, as opposed to the vice versa. People start off in horror so that they can make the leap to bigger movies. For somebody to yeah. do the opposite, I thought, this is the only great for this genre. Yeah, and of course now he's got a trilogy coming of The Exorcist, right. the sequel trilogy to The Exorcist that I think is set to come out the first one pretty much a year from now. Yeah. Um, so we have that to look forward to. But I agree, he's a good filmmaker, and I was so impressed by that first one in 2018. Mm-hmm. I thought, yes, this is how you reboot this, and I was so excited for the second and the third one but boy just 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 for us a disappointment nope. and uh, can't really get into t- too many more specifics for fear of spoilers but but yes if it go see it and love it i hope you do but for us halloween ends is a kind of a limp to the finish line yeah. and it's out in theaters and on peacock now Let's go to a romantic thriller drama next. Set in Nicaragua, a mysterious English businessman and a headstrong American journalist strike up a romance as they soon become embroiled in a dangerous labyrinth of lies and conspiracies and are forced to try to flee the country. This is the new one from Claire Denis called Stars at Noon. This country is kind of like a gambler's paradise. Everybody's giving the odds a shake whichever game they feel like playing. Your British friend interests me. How long have you known him? How do you know who he is who he says he is? I could just snap my fingers and envelope of $20,000 in your lap like that. Did you know the Department of Defense is after you? Do you know how many people are playing in your game? A lot of people are involved. What did you do? Things aren't as simple here as you want to think. You're going to get us both killed. What were you here? What are your motives? I wanted to know the exact dimensions of hell. So many dreams we share like the stars. Well, you had me at Claire Denis. Oh, we like some Claire Denis. And it's great how she just 
dabbles from one to another in different genres. She, she goes all over the place. Mm-hmm. She goes horror. She goes uh, sci-fi. Uh, last time out with that both sides of the blade, she did sort of a, a psychosexual um, love triangle thing. And now it's sex lies in global politics Right. Uh, with this one. It's another adaptation of uh, a book, mm-hmm. as the last one was. Now, the book was had a setting in 1984 in Nicaragua, in Central America. They update it. Uh, and this time it's sort of present day, almost present day. It's COVID times, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still in Nicaragua. And it's a it's an absorbing tale, and it's very much a Claire Denis movie, which which is certainly a good thing. And it sports a fantastic lead performance from Margaret Qualley, who we've seen in a bunch of movies. Yeah. And she's always very good. I think this one here shows a real new depth to her talent. She's very, very good in, in crafting this complex character who says she's a journalist hanging out there, but is she really? That's part of the, the mystery here. And uh, and actually, it features a, a, a cameo by John C. Riley as this character calls, makes a, a late night call to America to her supposed magazine editor, and he doesn't have much to do with her. And it's John C. Riley right. for a couple of minutes, and he's gone. But uh, but anyway, so she's there in Nicaragua, and she's you just don't know what exactly she's she's trying to achieve, and she's always very very ambiguous about where she's from and her past. And she, but she seems to have at least some friends in high places that help her out. And then she meets this new friend, and immediately she lets him know that uh, he's a person of interest with some powerful locals, and he's played by Joe Alwyn. And she and he just pretty much uh, dismisses her. What does this silly American girl know? Turns out she does know a few things, and they get involved. So there's a lot of well, there's a lot of sweating in this movie because <laughs> it's hot. Over there. And the humidity is palpable, and you can feel it. And then, of course, they they start a sexual relationship, and there's lots of sex in this movie. (laughs) But with Claire Denis, it's not filmed, you know, in that ogling way uh, so much of a male gaze would be. Um, Because there's a lot of nudity as well, not always of a sexual nature. It's just very frank about it. So, uh, again, it's very much a a Claire Denis movie. And she takes her time. It's about a two-hour and 20-minute movie. It's not hurried, but it's always interesting oh i'm uh, sure it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a very interesting story as as more s- strange mysterious characters pop up one played by benny safty who's always fascinating he, is. he just pops up out of the blue with a smiling offer to uh, margaret qualley's character and maybe she's interested maybe maybe she's not so it's all these who are the bad guys with this because there's a an election coming up so you have these different countries and their interests and maybe they want to influence this election by force if necessary and they want to take care of people who are maybe working from other countries against their interests so it's very much a, a spy sort of uh, story in one aspect and then it's a, a, a romance in another so there's a lot of different tones going on and sometimes it maybe has a little bit of awkwardness in juggling those tones but I still found it fascinating and I also got to say if you've seen Claire Denise films you know that as when the music when it comes to the music she has a favorite, composer who goes by the name of tinder sticks oh, so love great. it man and his stuff is so catchy it's so catchy and the score here is beautiful it's sort of ambient jazz through through much of it and then there's the title song stars at noon which is why i left it in the trailer here just a little bit of it it's been in my head ever since i've seen this movie i love the score love the song tinder sticks great stuff so i found it very very absorbing maybe not her best but still, if, if like you mentioned at the beginning here, if her name is on it, we want to see it. Yes. And and again, another another sign that Margaret Qualley 
who, if you don't know, is the daughter of Annie McDowell, is a real talent, a real talent. She's great here and uh, liked it. This one is out in theaters now, and it's called Stars at Noon. All right, enough drama. Let's go back to horror. <laughs> this is an overweight teen bullied by a clique of cool girls poolside while holidaying in her village. And the long walk home will change the rest of her life. It's called Piggy. It's a good Oh, my God, I love this movie. Man, it's so good. It's actually from, this is the feature-length version of a short film Mm -hmm. that we first saw a couple of years ago at Nightmares Film Festival here in Columbus, Ohio. Very impressive short, and uh, sometimes when you hear about a short being made into a feature, you think, well, is it just going to be a lot of filler? No, not here. No, not at all. Yeah, it's an incredibly well-paced, well-put-together, blistering, brutal uh, horror film and the whole thing, it works as well as it does because of the central performance as uh, as Sarah, the bullied young girl, uh, played by Laura Galong. Fantastic. Amazing. And the whole cast, though, is great. The entire cast is great. And one of the things I think that the film really does that, because, you know, uh, Mean Girls, that's a staple of horror films. And and that's because horror is about power and the powerless and, and sort of a desire for comeuppance. And so that's a pretty pretty common element in a horror film. But the reason that it works so well here is because the filmmaker complicates the concept of the victim slash hero and uh, and does it in a brilliant way. And then the other the other reason is just because the actual horror film of it is so well constructed. It's so just gut wrenching. Yes, and the writer director is Carlotta Pareda. Yes, fantastic. And we we talked about um, with Halloween ends choices characters mm-hmm. make that don't seem real. That's the opposite here. Yes, because she makes really one big choice, but you understand it. It feels real. It feels well earned. Yes, and that's where the whole film turns, and then it starts down the road towards some. Some brutal horror, because we had heard before we saw this movie that it gets pretty nasty, and it takes a little while, but then it does get pretty nasty. Well, you know what? what you, you mentioned about being well-earned. You you feel for—they take their time developing this character yeah. of Sarah and, and empathizing with her plight mm-hmm. to such a degree that you're with her. Her when she makes these decisions and you you feel so you feel less like at arm's length at this victim and you're waiting for something to happen you feel much more involved in her and invested in her character yeah which makes the entire experience much richer oh very much so and there's some great visual storytelling here we don't want to spoil anything but there's one uh, shot at the bottom of a pool that is fantastic <laughs> something that we see that sarah does not see awesome and then it, it leads to another big decision toward the very end of the movie and Pareda, the, the filmmaker, holds it just just enough beats to have us question ourselves. We don't know which choice she made. Right. And you keep going back and forth. Oh, she did this. Oh, she did that. Until you finally find out. And it's really, it's really well constructed. It's incredibly well made film. Yeah, this is out. It's, it's a Spanish language and very well worth it. Brings the storytelling, brings the character development, uh, and brings the horror. This is out in theaters now. Big recommendation for Piggy. How about a nice romantic comedy? All right. It's a comedic retelling of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, but told from the point of view of Romeo's jilted ex, the woman Romeo first claims to love before he falls for Juliet. This is Rosaline. 
The greatest love story ever told. Romeo. Sweet Juliet. Was missing a chapter. Mine. Son of a... I got this feeling on the summer day when you were gone. So you're gonna break them up? Of course I am. Romeo and Juliet. Doesn't even sound right. But Juliet, why settle down with just one man when you can... Sample at the buffet of life. Who wants to buy us some drinks? All this time, you just wanted to steal my boyfriend. I was trying to steal him back. There's a difference. I just wonder if all this drama is adding to the attraction. I'm going to fake my own death. I'll drink this potion. I don't look like I'm dead. That is quite possibly the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Did you drink it already? Oh, Juliet! This was fun. <laughs> and it stars Caitlin Deaver, who is great. Yes, she is. And she just, she's so charming, and she has great comedic timing. And the movie, you know, it is it is a retelling of Shakespeare, although they do not use Shakespearean language, which uh, it's funny the way that they introduce that concept as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And it's really very clever because it pokes fun at what you've come to expect from romantic comedies, but also it pokes fun at sort of the drama of Shakespearean romance <laughs> and specifically at some of the choices that Romeo and Juliet make. Um, and so it's just very, it's it, cynical is the wrong word. That sounds harsh, but it, it is very clever and witty in the way it sort of dissects these things. Well, and you can poke fun at something without making fun of it, yes. which I think they do here. It's, this is based on a novel. Actually, the novel's called When You Were Mine. Uh, the director here is Karen Maine. But, the, yeah, uh, you know, we, uh, we've we said before, we're not the biggest fans of romantic comedies at a, as a whole. But mm-hmm. like anything else, they can be done well, yeah. and this is fun. Yeah, it is. It's very fun. And and so much of that is because of Caitlin Deaver. Yeah, yeah. she's And she's got another one coming out here very soon with uh, George Clooney and uh, Julia Roberts. She's yes. their daughter in Ticket to Paradise, but which she's is coming actually, out soon. She's got a producing credit on this one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, and we should mention that Juliet is played by Isabella Merced, who's another great young actress. Yeah, uh, we always from like, right here in Ohio. Right, from Cleveland. Yeah, we always like to see her as well. And this is on Hulu. Liked it called Rosaline. And it's back to horror for this one, a horror mystery thriller. Diana, a young woman who lost her sight, finds a guide in a Chinese boy named Chin. Together, they will track down a dangerous killer through the darkness of Italy. This is the new one from Dario Argento. Dark Glasses. Well, it's been more than a decade since Argento made a film. I thought so. And his last movie was actually Dracula 3D, and it was god awful. <laughs> It was not it was not Giallo, which is what he's known for, and it just wasn't any good, to be honest with you. He is back in the genre, not just back in film, but back in the genre that has, I would say, made him famous, but really it's a genre he made famous, which uh-huh. is Giallo. Right. Italian um, horror. Yes, but a very specific kind, the kind right. with really un- unrealistically red blood, the kind with... Um, you know, Giallo is the soap opera of horror movies. Right. Uh, it's not very, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Sense is sort of thrown out the window <laughs> in favor of like lurid, high voltage, uh, you know, uh, mystery, thrills, sexuality, mm-hmm. and drama. And that you have all of that here, yeah. actually. And, uh, and what, one of the things that I like about this movie, which is, it, you know, it focuses on Diana is a uh, high end, 
um, sex worker. She makes uh, a good deal of money, has a very comfortable life, and then she um, winds up, because of a car accident caused by the serial killer, she winds up blind. And um, he is still on her trail, the serial killer. So it, it's it, those elements right there, that screams Dario Argento to me. That screams Giallo, actually. These seem like pretty common themes in movies like that. And, and one of the reasons that Giallo gets a, a, a bad name, rightfully so, is that it is a wildly misogynistic genre of film. Oh, yeah. Uh, including all of Dario Argento's films. <laughs> so it's interesting to me. I appreciate the way this movie turns that around a little bit. You know, the, the lead character um, is not that likable, and she's still the hero. I mean, she's, she's brash and unpleasant. She's smart. She's spunky. Um, and I appreciate that as well. Uh, and, and, but at the same time, you're going to get everything that you want to get from a, from a Giallo movie. There's a lot of blood. There's some weird mystery. There's a lot of lurid encounters. So if you're a fan of that type of film, and if you're a fan of Argento, it's great. It's good. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It's not a great movie. It's not one of Argento's best. It's by definitely not one of his worst. Better if, than Dracula 3D. My God, yes. <laughs> it's no Suspiria, is what I'm saying. Right, but right. it is, you know, it's a fun, if you like... If you're new to Giallo, I wouldn't start here because you're going to be like, Bleh. but if you like it, I definitely suggest it. And yeah. it's on Shutter and also in theaters. Right. And this new one from uh, Argento called Dark Glasses. <laughs> Next, an adventure drama, a daring dream to scale the world's most challenging trio of mountains, soon turns into a terrifying nightmare for a group of friends when a deadly storm traps the climbers near the summit and cuts off all hope of rescue. This is Summit Fever. Storm's changed course. Needs to get the hell out of here. Vanity is a deadly thing to bring into these mountains. It's gonna get us all killed! The only way down is up. You have to trust me. I can do this. Well, this is out in select theaters and on streaming as well. You know, I love this sort of thing. The adventure, the the mountain climbing type movies, I always love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but this one is not great. It's not horrible. This is writer-director Julian Gilby. And uh, Ryan Philippi is one of the stars, and he's one of these these climbers. He's an experienced climber. And uh, they're doing all these, uh, these different summits, summit attempts in the French Alps. And it's basically summit based around summit fever, as it tells you at the very beginning with some opening text, is sort of the feeling that, when the drive to accomplish these and to scale these summits overtakes your life and really has you abandoning reason, and that is, and to follow this quest without considering other factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what it tries to get across with these characters. You know, the the scenery, some of the photography, of course, is fantastic. That's what you look for. Up, I mean, yeah, really? You, yeah. that's, if you don't have that, you don't have a movie like exactly. that. Exactly. So some of that does definitely uh, fit the bill uh, with what you're looking for. The characters and the, the storytelling, a little bit forced. I mean, some of the dialogue is really forced. Um, it doesn't sound authentic, really, mm-hmm. uh, as it pushes uh, pushes the narrative of the the cost that some of these these climbers pay for this uh, this dream that they have. But uh, as a true as a I keep saying true life adventure, it's not really. This mm-hmm. is not based on anything true. But uh, it ha- things like this certainly have happened to a lot of people, and it takes into account the, the deadly cost of of some of these some of these quests that that people have, and then when they get to a certain 
amount of success, then they are bankrolled by sponsors. And then maybe are they pushed a little bit beyond their limits? It gets into that a little bit as well. And there's a romance. And so it's perfectly fine. It's a little long, but the, uh, the definitely the the panoramas and the uh, the cinematography is probably better than the storytelling and the characterization. So if this is your kind of bag, which usually it is for me, you could check this one out. Not great, but not terrible. And it's out in select theaters and on VOD called Summit Fever. Another horror movie next. All right. An aging film star retreats to the Scottish countryside with her nurse to recover from surgery. While there, mysterious forces of revenge emerge from the land where witches were burned. This is She Will. I'm having dark thoughts. The earth was thought to have healing properties from the women who were burned as witches. Would you go back and relive your childhood if you could? We had a strong bond. What do you... It will torture you. Another great one on Shudder. All right, Shudder coming through again. That's right. This is Alice Krieg and her impressive cheekbones. And Malcolm McDowell yes, makes an appearance here he as well. Does. Yeah. He does, as kind of a ghost from her past. She has had a double mastectomy, and she and her nurse are getting far away from the paparazzi so that she can recover. She's also getting away from the paparazzi because the film that made her famous and surrounded her with controversy when she was 14 years old Mm -hmm. is being remade by the same director who directed her when she was a youngster. And she's trying to push that out of her head. So they don't really get into too much detail about the past, but you have a definite sense of why that is as haunting her uh, as much as the surgery is haunting her. The movie is a great tonal piece. It's it's hypnotic mm-hmm. in the way that director Charlotte Colbert keeps you from knowing for sure how much of what you're seeing is really happening, how much of what you're seeing is just something one of the characters is seeing. I really, not everybody can pull that off, right. that sort of line between what's really happening and what's not really happening. And she does it brilliantly. It's also an absolutely gorgeous movie. And the, the score sets an incredible mood. I mean, there's not really a lot I can say against it. You know, it's uh, if it, it's not a horror movie, I think, in, in a, the truest sense, there's just a lot of it's spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. It's spooky stuff. There's atmospheric, like, yeah. Atmospheric. There's, you know, witchcraft in the backdrop. And there are a couple of images that are a little bit alarming. But on the whole, it's a it's a great, creepy, atmospheric piece uh, that's very witty, has a nice feminist wit running through it, and a lot of great performances. So maybe if you like the horror, but nothing too, nothing too extreme. Yeah, uh, more atmospheric horror and creepy. This would uh, this would be up your alley, and it's on Shutter. Love it called She Will. And another horror mystery drama. After a series of tragedies, Robert moves with his wife back to her childhood home. After he discovers an old portrait of a man who looks like him, he goes down a rabbit hole to discover the identity of this mysterious doppelganger. This one's called The Visitor. You know, I just found another painting of him. I feel like everyone knows Robert, me. okay, listen. You don't actually think that's you. 
Something is off about this place. I swear it's the same guy in every single one. I would just take it as a sign. You are where you are meant to be. You need to run. Do you understand me? No, go. Go! This is the latest from director Justin P. Lang, whose first movie a few years ago called The Dark, we liked. Very, very much. Liked it a lot. And it's interesting because uh, the movie She Will takes a somewhat familiar idea and just goes in a, a, a decided, sure, interesting direction with it. This is as predictable as a movie could possibly be. <laughs> okay. Um, it doesn't, it's just, it's a mishmash of ideas from other movies that all really just walked this same earth. And I think the only thing that's interesting at all about it is that in this case, so, a, you know, a young couple with a somewhat troubled marriage, they move into an old house, and obviously it was a terrible, terrible decision, right? This happens in one out of every five horror films. Mm -hmm. And usually it's the female who can tell that there's something amiss, who is trying to leave, who doesn't want to stay. And usually it's the, the, the man who is just not attuned to the supernatural and, and insists that they stay. The only thing in mildly interesting about this movie is that they swap that, that it's, the, it's okay. the husband who can tell there's something wrong and it's the wife who is arguing with him and making him, gaslighting him. Essentially. Other than that, you've seen this movie 500 times and you've seen it better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is out now on VOD called The Visitor. Next up is a comedy drama fantasy that follows Pablo, a young actor who dreams of starring in a film. But in order to pay the bills, he has to work as a simulated patient in medical schools and in weird sessions of alternative therapies. It's called Phantom Project. <laughs> You may also find this under the title Proyecto Fantasma. Nice. Oh, is that good? Well done. Okay. On top of all of that, uh, that the summary points out, there's also a ghost in the house. Andy's dog sitting. The well, that dog, goes without saying. Right. <laughs> the dog is the highlight. <laughs> he doesn't deserve this dog. The dog is great. You're going to love every scene he's in. And actually, there's nothing about the movie in particular that doesn't work. Uh, Daniel Baldwin, by the way, the schlocketeer. Yes. He reviewed this one for us, and you'll find his review at madwolf.com. And there's just too much going on. There's just too much going on, and it doesn't it doesn't settle a focus on anything interesting enough. That the ghost story might have been interesting enough, yeah. But it just can't sort of decide where it's going. Yeah, that's on VOD now, and check out Daniel's full review for Phantom Project at MadWolf.com. And hey, speaking of the Schlocketeer, let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Time to drop some knowledge with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, where we find him in the lobby. You don't hang out here all week, do you? It's just... <laughs> <laughs> you, just come down to, you just come down to your lair when you have something to <laughs> something to school us on. But, uh, all right, we're letting you out. What do you hear? Well, Mel Gibson's next geezer teaser on the line will arrive on November 3rd. And speaking of geezer teasers, Saban Films has set a November 11th release for their Bruce Willis and John Travolta one, Paradise City. Uh, that was directed by uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and Blob director Chuck Russell. It's We've talked about it before. It's supposed to be the one that Willis and his family is most proud of and that they had made been hoping would be his final one released, but uh -huh. it's not shaking out that way. 
Um, there's still one that was supposed to be released earlier in the fall that hasn't come out called Die Like Lovers. And he now magically has two additional films listed on his IMDb. Is uh, it him or is it his image now that he has right. sold? So. Uh, that's a good question, yeah. but um, the previously announced Detective Night Rogue movie that arrives uh, next week now has two sequels, one called Detective Night Redemption, arriving on December 9th, and the trilogy capper Detective Night Independence will hit on January 20th. So that leaves five more to go, assuming there aren't more Waiting in the Wings or more digital double movies coming along the way. Woo. Wow. Moving on, Russell Crowe's Poker Face, which is a thriller, will arrive in theaters on November 16th and followed by via D release on November 22nd. I believe he directed that one himself. Oh. Um, I know he did one a few years ago, but I never actually caught up with it. Yeah, that was the the Water Diviner. Mm -hmm. He directed that years ago. Mm -hmm. I never saw that either. No. I guess we need to catch up. Uh, <laughs> Disney has set a September 2023 release date for Kenneth Branagh's A Haunting in Venice, which will be the third installment in his Hercule Poirot series. Now pause so George can say it. Kenneth Branagh! <laughs> 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 to, to play back on an earlier idea that we've talked about a few times as well, someone that I follow on Twitter suggested that Disney make a uh, Poirot movie where... Muppets. Yes. Where <laughs> Kenneth Branagh is the only human and all the characters are Muppets and he's constantly accusing them all of murder. Yeah. I think that would be absolutely <laughs> That'd be great. It'd be that the would best. be great. <laughs> Put it in my eyeballs. Right? And despite the fact that we are four months away from the release of M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin, Universal has already set an April 2024 release for his next film after it. So, not sure what it is yet, but he's cranking them out lately. Well, he has. And finally, Disney has set a May 2024 release for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, which will carry on from the events of the uh, most recent trilogy. But made with Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> Digital Muppets. <laughs> I have a I have a hard time believing that Muppets could make anything worse. No, I know. <laughs> I agree. But you I might did. be in the minority there, but <laughs> but I did like that the previous uh, Planet of the Apes trilogy. I thought that was yeah, all pretty strong. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, so we'll, did I. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. All right. Well, we'll let you out of the lobby again for a week, and uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. And you can always catch up with Daniel online at the Schlocketeer. All right, next week, got a big one that uh, is already getting buzz for the Oscar season for Kate Blanchett in Tar. Also, Ticket to Paradise. That's the one we were talking about mm -hmm. with Caitlin uh, Deaver and Clooney and Roberts. Also, The Rock is back, Black Adam. And Wendell and Wild. Okay. Key, key, uh, key and Peele. Nice. As the cartoon characters. All right, love that. American Murder next week. School for Good and Evil. Pez Outlaw. Dangerous Game. Let me oh. tell you right in advance, I'm yeah. going to give you, it's awful. Dangerous game? It's it's one star. Okay. Thanks for the heads up. Mm -hmm. uh, the new VHS is out. Last time it was VHS 94. We've gone up for five years. It's VHS 99 next week. And also, The Loneliest Boy in the World. All right. Find out about him. Find out about all those next week. But hey, lots to talk about this week, especially Halloween, because we already know, we've said there's a lot of differing opinions, a lot of polarization in this movie, and that's great. If you loved it, we love that. Tell us why. Let's keep the conversation going. Uh, easiest way to get to us is on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, also on Facebook and Instagram. 
It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can catch all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That's all there for you at madwolf.com. So we hope you keep in touch. Have a great week. We'll talk again soon. Until then, she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>